welcome back. I'm back. It's another episode of PK's Place. And funny thing is, today is the end of year episode. It is the best of 2021. So this episode is basically going to be a compilation of a number of different interviews, clips, just a bunch of a bunch of great moments that happened on episodes this year. So, so we're going to be cutting to that in a little bit. But first, a few things I wanted to talk to talk speak about. So, so I was watching, uh, I was watching NFL football a few two weeks ago. I watch every Sunday. Uh, so I was watching the Ravens and Packers game. If anyone watched this game, really, it was a really good game, back and forth. So, so Baltimore did not have Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson was hurt. So they had Tyler Huntley at the backup, who he played against the Bears and got them to win. So this particular game, Tyler Huntley actually was pretty electric. This guy played really well. He had two touchdowns, uh, two touchdown passes, and he ran it in for two himself. So he runs his second one in with 40 seconds left on the game clock. And John Harbaugh says, hey, he talks to the guys. We're going to go for two. So they go for two. Now, if anyone has watched the Ravens play this year, whether it was red zone, whatever it was, if you've watched the Ravens play earlier this year, you know that they were in this situation against the Pittsburgh Steelers a few weeks ago, and they ended up not converting that two-point conversion. It was Mark Andrews, I believe, got his fingers on the ball, but he couldn't catch it, and they lost, which was a winnable game for them because the Steelers, let's be honest, are not that are not the team as good as the Ravens. Let's just call it what it is. So, so it comes to, when it comes time to it, they have to do two, they have to have a two-point conversion against the Packers this time to win. And and for and I'm not disputing that the two-point conversion was the bad play or the bad play call because I think it's absolutely the right call, especially when you have someone like Aaron Rodgers on the other sideline who when he gets if he gets the chance in overtime, you guys aren't getting the ball back and he's going to win it. That's just how he is. Mahomes is like that. Uh, Brady's like that. There's a, a number of guys that are like that. So so they get to the line of scrimmage, two-point conversion is about to commence. Then they end up calling the same exact play that failed against Pittsburgh. And guess what? It failed again. I'm not, I'm not discrediting them for going for two and winning the game. You want to do that. Like you're in that position, you go ahead and do it. But they couldn't stop Tyler Huntley from the quarterback draw up the middle. He, they couldn't stop him. So I feel like if Tyler Huntley would have done that, he would have scored and the Ravens would have won. I was just watching it and baffled. Just like, I'm like, the play didn't work last time and it didn't work this time. So I swear if, if Baltimore in these next two games, if they have a two-point conversion – and they do that same play, I'm going to lose it. I am going to lose it. Uh, the next game that night I wanted to talk about was the Sunday night football game, which was Tampa and New Orleans. That might have been one of the worst football games I've ever watched. It was so tough to watch. I mean, I mean, obviously Brady, you know, it was tough for him that Godwin and Evans and even Fournette go out. But, man, I'll tell you, that that game was tough to watch. It was just sloppy, just turnover filled, just obviously, it was, you know, Tampa's not, it was not their best game, but 
man, that game was so sloppy and just so – it was so crazy. Like, oh, my God, I just – I was watching it, and I'm like, this is crazy. I'm not even a Bucks fan. I was just like, what is going on? This game was so sloppy, just drops everywhere. It just was not – was not anywhere close to where it needed to be. Like, it was not good. But at least, I was going to say, but then at least, like, moving on to this last week, this last week we saw a lot of good games, especially, you know, Bill's Patriots. It almost makes me wonder if the weather was how it was at Gillette Stadium last, like, on Sunday, this past Sunday uh, in Buffalo a few weeks ago. I wonder how that game would have turned out differently because I think, and Patriot fans do not come at me. I think the bills would have won that game just, and I, and I know it's, you know, different circumstances. Obviously that showed how smart Belichick is. Um, he was playing chess. Um, McDermott was playing, playing checkers. Belichick's obviously a genius, but um, I think the bills probably win that game. That game was back and forth. Um yeah, there were a lot of a lot of good a lot of good games that Sunday. I mean, Dallas opened up a can on Washington. That was to end the night. That was that was crazy. I got you know, gotta feel bad for some of those Dallas guys. I mean, especially just like if you're on Dallas, if you're on, I mean, not on Dallas, or if you're on Washington, like that, that's just pure embarrassment. Once they put up 35 or even 42, it's like you're embarrassed now. Um, you know, it's crazy. But anyway, but yeah, um, enough of that. So like I said, uh, it's the end of the year 2021 episode. You know, 2021, there were a lot of a lot of ups, a lot of downs. Um, and I just want to say, yeah, 2021, there were a lot of ups, a lot of downs. Um, you know, I, I, I'm going to say this right here to all my listeners. I challenge each and every one of you to make a change in 2022 it doesn't have to be like it doesn't have to be a huge change i'm not asking anyone to move all move across the country or move towns i mean if you want to or if you think that's a good idea honestly you should go for it because moving is a great way to get outside your comfort zone i can speak from personal experience have moved around a lot and i really like i really like moving around you get to meet new people that kind of thing but i'm not asking for that i'm just saying make a single change in your life because there was a study that um, I, I was watching the herd and he meant, and Colin mentioned there was a study done at university of Chicago, hundred people who like change, hundred that don't the hundred that don't had to make a change. And within six months, 80 to 90% of those people were like, you know what? I'm happy. I made that change. So I want each and every one of you to be in that 80 to 90% make a change. And then you're going to realize, you know what? This was good for me. You know, I, I've, I just think one thing we need to bring into 2022 is let's get comfortable being uncomfortable. Let's get comfortable getting outside our comfort zone. Because I think getting outside your comfort zone is the main way you're going to learn, grow, evolve, and be great in all those ways. I think that everyone should, and it, and it could be something small. It could be like just like being stricter on your diet or exercising more or even like cutting back on coffee, whatever it is, just do anything. Uh, oh, and before, so the first interview that we're going to be cutting to is actually my first ever episode with Igor the second. Before I cut to that, I just want to say a sincere thank you to 
not only everyone who listened this year, but everyone's who everyone's, uh, especially for Spotify, everyone's Spotify rap that I made. I, it means a, it meant a lot uh, having everyone send those to me, uh, especially seeing it, seeing me on there next to, you know, other podcasts, like obviously like part of my take or call her daddy or any, any podcast that's wildly more successful than mine. I, I thoroughly appreciate it. And it honestly, it honestly means a lot to me. And I can't wait. I can't wait to see what 2022 holds. I can't wait to, you know, get, get some more, some more great interviews, get some, you know, do things like that. Hopefully get some more cool content uh, behind the scenes or even just whatever it is. So I think, so I think that'd be great. And I just, you know, appreciate everyone. Um, and another thing about Spotify, I wanted to say, this normally goes at the end, but I'll say it now is there is a feature where you can give a rating. So I'm going to leave it there. I'll get to that after. So we're going to cut it to Igor the second. All right, everybody, welcome to my first episode of the podcast, PK's Place. I'm your host, Peyton PK Hughes. We'll get more into that nickname as the episode goes on. Today, I'm joined by a very special guest, a good friend of mine, pro hockey player and at current activist on social media, Igor Lariano II. Igor, how are, how are you doing today? PK, brother, it's a pleasure to, to be your first guest. Um, I've been saying for a while, you know, you're the type of guy, you're really good at holding a conversation up, so, you know, this is... Perfect for you. You're gonna you're gonna do great things. But I'm doing well. Had a good upper body workout today. Arms are absolute noodles right now after after all of that. But no, I'm just glad to be you know glad to be talking to one of my good buddies over over a podcast and over Zoom. So I'm excited. Yeah, of course. I first I appreciate those kind words, and second, this is actually the second time I've interviewed you. If you remember the first time, and for everyone listening at home, first time I interviewed Igor was actually on the red carpet of his 22nd birthday. So I think the listeners would like to know how different but fun your 22nd birthday party was because it was a blast. Yeah, so my uh, 22nd birthday, we uh, I never really had any birthday parties growing up because my birthday is exactly when hockey season starts and exactly when a training camp is. And this year, obviously, that didn't happen because of you know everything going on. So I had a, a party. Obviously, everyone had to be COVID tested to make sure it was safe. But um. This party was basically Oscars themed, so we all dressed up fancy. We had a red carpet, we had an awards show, uh, musical performances. The host PK was hosting, and yeah, it was it was a blast. You know, PK wasn't supposed to host at first. We're supposed to have uh, Artem, one of our, our friends who's a reporter for the NHL, was supposed to host, but he sadly tore his Achilles in the soccer game we played that morning. So PK, yeah, was brutal. Yeah. PK was next man up. He did a great job. He interviewed on the red carpet. A lot of great content on his Instagram from that, but also he did a fantastic job, you know, hosting, performing, and just overall being a great guy. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate those kind words. And yeah, I I was just supposed to be like a normal party guest, just like everyone else. And yeah, it was crazy. We like one of our one of our friends, uh, Matei Picar, who will probably be on this podcast later later on. But he was like, "Oh, Artem, we need another guy. We need another guy to play," even though. Like, no disrespect to Artem, but he's not really in soccer playing shape. And, man, like, seeing him go down and then seeing him, like, in pain was just tough to watch. It sucked. Yeah, it was brutal. He, they called the, the paramedics. They were all there. They got the ambulance, you know. It was not a pretty sight to see. Like, no. Uh, you know, Artem, thankfully, had a surgery. He's recovering, and he's, you know, already skating. So, good, good for Artem for, you know, he, he got knocked down, but he got up again. So, that's all that matters. 
Yeah. So our, so yeah, I just had that mindset of next man up and I wanted to do everything I could to just make it fun. And even funny thing was I saw a joke Jimmy Kimmel made about, uh, it was Timothy Chalamet about him being young. So Nicholas, who is going to be in this episode a little later, he, I made that same joke about it and everyone, everyone liked it. So yeah, I just try to have a fun time and keep it light, especially on the red carpet. So it was a good time. Of course. It was a blast. Absolute blast. Yeah, for sure. It was, it was great. Um, now for those that are unfamiliar with Igor, he's been blowing up lately on Twitter. Now I should preface you've blown up on Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter, basically all like to separate moments, which time did you blow up? Were you like, especially like, whoa, like I'm just going viral right now. Probably on TikTok because it happens so quickly. TikTok, you know, you go to bed with, you know, 2000 views and you wake up with, you know, a quarter of a million views or something like that. And it's just crazy how fast TikTok, uh, TikTok goes, you know, you, you gain followers like that with one blow, video that blows up. And yeah, a couple of times on TikTok, I would just post something, you know, and literally I would just be shocked. Like I would be gaining to thousands of followers, like hundreds of thousands of views and likes and all that. And it's, it's very, um, it's, I feel like it's kind of unhealthy for a lot of kids because when that, if that happens to them once, then every other video is most likely not going to get to that level. So it's very unhealthy when you have that expectation of every video is going to go viral. But the thing about being viral is it's like a significant thing. Not every video will go viral. So a lot of kids, I feel like that's really difficult because, you know, you put out a video, then you put another one that you work even harder on and it doesn't blow up. It's like you start to doubt yourself. And I don't think that's too, um, I think that's good for kids, but no, I, uh, for me personally, it was definitely TikTok because that just happens so fast, so quick. And it's, it's one of those platforms where like anyone could blow up, anyone could, you know, gain a ton of followers. Yeah, of course. And like when listening to like, obviously the TikTokers who are at the top of the game, like Bryce Hall or Josh Richards or these guys, they say like, they look, like you said, they'll go to bed with very little followers and they wake up the next day and they have millions. Like it's, it's honestly insane. Yeah. And for those that want to check out his, this video that we're talking about he made igor made a video about highlighting the pro athletes in his family throughout the decades including himself and i believe the video right now is at three million views which is honestly insane it's really cool to see Dude. yeah like i remember like you were sh you were showing it to me and like it just was going viral like it was it was just unreal yeah it's one of those things where you can't believe it. it's like that many people wanted to watch this you know it's like how did that happen Absolutely. And I also mentioned Twitter. So I remember before, like a few months ago, you weren't really that active on Twitter. So what really changed your perception of where you thought, hey, I'm going to start being more active on Twitter, because as we speak, you're about to hit 10,000 followers on Twitter, which is, which is a good, which is a big accomplishment. But where did that desire come from to start tweeting more and be active? Um, you know, shit happened. <laughs> 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 and um and uh yeah so you know i just most honestly people think i'm some activist or something when in reality no i've just made maybe three or four tweets that i find to be common sense that people deserve you know to be treated equally and that human rights is for every human being and like to me that's not really activism that's just common sense of you know being a good person I mean, the majority of my tweets are just like me joking around or making a fool of myself. And, you know, I just figured I could, you know, be myself to the, to the public and, you know, people who want to see it will see that. And 
hopefully they enjoy it. And so far it seems like they're enjoying it. Even people who, you know, at first I didn't think would enjoy it. They're, you know, on board. So yeah, I mean, it's, it's one of those things where stuff happens in your life and you like decide that you're going to start doing something and be a little bit more active and so far so good. Obviously I want to continue um, being an ally to these communities because I feel like that's a very important thing to do. Not many people in hockey, you know, see these people for who they are they just you know look at them as like um i don't even want to say not as humans but almost as a, a group where i i want to make it so people look at them and be like you know we're not marginalizing a group of people we're bringing we're looking at individuals and saying all right these are human beings they're just like me and they should be treated you know fairly and equally and that's exactly what you know i'm trying to do with that but in terms of just like funny tweets or like you know messing around that's just usually stuff that I would send to friends or, you know, other people like that. But now I've just decided to, you know, post it, uh, post it online. And so far people have enjoyed it. Yeah, for sure. They've reached a greater audience. And going back to that point, I mean, I think that you have to judge these, like these people, like they're, they're people. I mean, there might be like exactly. a few differences between us, but that's what makes us human. And yeah, it's those tweets actually, as you know, that are becoming the most viral and, that are getting the most likes. And I think you've said this on many other podcasts you've been on in the past two weeks that it's really not that hard to, to support these groups and to have a voice out there. And I think you're doing a really good job on that. Yeah, I mean, there's nothing wrong with, uh, with difference. I mean, that's what makes the world a special place. If, if everyone was the same exact person, the world would be a boring place, you know? There, 100%. There'd, there'd be nothing interesting. That's the, that, that's the beauty of, of human beings is that there are different communities and just because a community is different doesn't mean you need to treat them like they aren't a human being. And that's basically what I'm trying to show that sure there are differences, but at the end of the day, we're all humans and we're all on the same team. So that's something that I want to, you know, bring more attention to, especially in the hockey community where a lot of people feel like they're um, being marginalized by, you know, fans, players and whatnot. So if we can just get the mentality that we're all on the same team, we're all, you know, human beings, especially the hockey community, we're all, you know, fans of hockey and like we love the game and if we can all agree that you know we're in this together I think the world will be a better place absolutely and at least for me that's how I grew up hearing was if you're the if everyone's the same it's a boring place if everyone played like hockey or if everyone just played soccer it would it would be boring and there'd be no diversity or no difference so I think that's great and obviously you don't want to alienate anyone so I think what you're doing is you're actually bringing groups together and I think that's great because you don't want to alienate a certain group because then that, those are eyes and dollars that are not being spent uh, on that sport and that product. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's there's so many different you know ways of looking at it. There's a way of growing the sport financially. There's a way of growing the sport in terms of just you know making it a friendlier place. So I I don't think there's any issue with you know doing those two things because one it helps the sport grow and two it gives people an opportunity to you know watch the sport and feel more comfortable being a fan. And I think that's great. Yeah, absolutely. And obviously, obviously, the more people that can be touched, like I've like I go on Twitter, I see on my timeline, all these people that reply to you and they say, hey, thanks for seeing me. Thanks for noticing me. Like, that's huge. It, any, anything to touch someone else's life is very valuable. Of course, that's the goal. Yeah, absolutely. And so, Igor, you've also played in a number of spots, especially in junior hockey. And I wanted to just kind of ask, like, with, like, I just wanted to kind of tee you up for some stories, like, especially in Muskegon, you guys had basically a Russian five. What was that like? And are there any kind of stories you can share about your time in Muskegon? Yeah, I mean, there was, it was a blast playing with those guys. We we're all, you know, really good friends off the ice. And a lot of us are still really good friends to this day. 
basically what would happen a lot of the time is when we'd be coming back from road trips, you know, the entire bus would be like watching movies or, you know, they have their headphones on, you know, like some guys would be asleep and we'd just be sitting next to each other for you know, five, six, seven hours. And we'd be talking, we'd be laughing, we'd be playing cards and we'd just be yelling the entire time. And by the end of it, people started getting annoyed with us because we started, you know, we were just such a, uh, like a, so loud on the bus. So they, they didn't really like us sitting next to each other because of that. But I'm um, also at our rink, we had a basketball court and every day all of us Russians would go play basketball. And at first they thought it was funny, like Russians playing basketball. But then by the end of it, we could pretty much take anyone in a five on five basketball game. because <laughs> we got, so, we got so good by playing it so much. And it was just, you know, it was a ton of fun playing with all these guys and spending time on the ice, off the ice, you know, obviously on the ice, it's, it's a blast playing with guys that, you know, understand you and play a similar style. But also it's just, it's just fun being with good guys, being with friends, because that, I think that's really special when, you know, your connection is both on and off the ice. And that's, you know, doesn't happen too much in sports. I feel like a lot of people have the coworker type mentality, whereas we had like a true friendship, true, um, you know, trust for each other. Yeah. And I think that's especially, I think that definitely helps when you have that friendship and it's not really looking at it like, Hey, it's just a job. Like you're going to hang out with your friend, your buddies and yeah. having a good time. And who was the best basketball player out of those out of you five? I think That's I know what my answer one. is. <laughs> we, we all we all played a different style of basketball. So when we would play, it would basically be I would be sort of like the point guard. I'd be running the show. And my my point guard style is Rajon Rondo. It's like I, I drive, mm -hmm. I you know, I'm that's that's my game. You know, I find open guys. Then we had um we had <laughs> Gushin, who wouldn't, wouldn't play too much. He was a, sort of like a, a combo guard, sort of like a shooting guard, point guard type guy. He couldn't shoot at all. He had a horrible shot, but he could. He was quick. He was fast. He was hard on defense. So if I had to compare him to anyone, it would probably be um, – there's this guy who played on Ohio State like maybe five, six years ago, Aaron Kraft, this like short white guy mm -hmm. who was just unreal on defense. He would like slap the floor and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> Just a real, you know, hardworking guy. His dad was a coach, you know, loves the game, sneaky athlete. <laughs> <laughs> and um, our probably small forward would be Yako, Yakovenko. Mm -hmm. He was just like small. He wasn't too tall, but, you know, he could shoot it pretty well. He had a good stroke down, especially from mid-range. You know, sort of like an Al Horford type player, set a screen, moves the ball well. Then power forward, we had um, Gore Afanasiev. Yep, Afan. <laughs> He, he was one of the more, the more skilled guys, you know, he could dribble, he could fade away, he could post up. Um, as a power forward, honestly, his game is pretty much like a less skilled Kevin Durant. You know, he could get the job done, get inside. He's 6'4", he's so he's pretty tall. And then at center, we had Andrei Golikov. He was a horrible shooter of the basketball. He would shoot it like a throw-in in soccer, like just over his head. But around the glass. I'm telling you, this dude would dunk everything. He would get all the blocks, all the rebounds. You just literally toss it up to him. He'll get the alley-oop. He was like 6'5 or something. He's a giant. And yeah, like put that combo together, us five, or sometimes it'd be just three of us with sobs. Like we pretty much took everyone down. But to be honest, when we would play one-on-one -on -one between who's the best, it would always come down to me and uh, Yegor Afanasiev. And I think I ended up winning that series. But if you ask him, he'll probably say he ended up winning that series. So <laughs> it's a bit of a disputed title. Oh, I definitely, uh, if I have the chance to get him on here, I'll definitely ask him how those one-on-ones went. Now, obviously, you spent... 
<laughs> no, yeah, of course. Now, now you obviously spent a little bit of time in the USHL. With which away rink was the, the most fun to play? And I know, obviously, when you played, there were still like full crowds or there were still fans uh, there. Which which away rink was uh, the most fun to play in? Hmm. You know, the the rinks in the USHL weren't like as nice, I would say, as the ones in the OHL. Mm -hmm. So. There wasn't really a specific rink that stood out to me. I really enjoyed playing at home. I think our at home we had a, a great atmosphere. We had always a lot of fans because we were a really good team that year. But away, I would probably have to say um, maybe Green Bay. They had a like a, a big arena. It was you know kind of like NHL style, which was obviously cool. You know, big jumbotron. You know, big stands, all that, and it was like a pro feeling to it. Um, I also liked. Dubuque, it was very like juniorish. It reminded me of like the Sioux Arena in the OHL. And it was just very homey and like very small. You could tell it was like a tight uh, community where everyone sort of, you know, they would go to the games together. It was like sort of like the thing that you would do on the weekends. And that was a cool place to play. But of all the places, I'd probably have to say playing at home was by far the best. Yeah, of course. The LC Walker Arena is, is a very nice rink, very nice to play in. And Obviously, yeah, Muskegon obviously draws well, attendance-wise. Yeah. Now, you mentioned the OHL, and you had the great fortune of playing at Windsor, especially mm -hmm. since you're 40 minutes away, right across the river in Detroit. Yeah. Now, tell the listeners this, because I remember you've told me this many times off camera. You matched up in the playoffs against uh, St. Louis forward Jordan Cairo. How You got to tell, tell the listeners how, how well you played against this guy, because you almost had him in your back pocket, basically. Yeah. Yeah, we were the, I think the seventh seed, they were the second seed. You know, we were a young team, we weren't too good. And at that playoff, playoff run, you know, we had no expectations. Sarnia was one of the teams that was, you know, trying to, trying to win it all. And we came into their building game one. I think we won six to two. I had three points that game. Game two, we uh, lost a nail biter at the very end. You know, I had an assist. And after the game, I forget which team it was. A scout came up to me and he flat out told me, "You're out playing Kairu this series." And I was like, "Oh wow!" You know, to me that you know, I know what I can do and I know how I can play. So it wasn't like a, you know, anything shocking. But like it was obviously nice to hear, you know, some recognition from a, someone who you know has an input with an NHL team or whatnot. So yeah, hearing that was really cool. We got back to um, to Windsor. I think we won Game Three. I forgot I might have had an assist that game. And then game four, I ended up, um, I got cross-checked at the end of the game. We were down uh, empty net. I think I was on the ice for the last three minutes of that game because we needed a goal. And I got cross-checked with maybe a minute left. I ended up finishing the game, but I herniated a disc in my back. And after that, I tried to play uh, game five. And after a period, I basically pulled myself out. I was just hurting the team. You know, I couldn't. I couldn't play and they couldn't really do an injection because they can't really numb your spinal cord because then it, it basically take like an epidural shot when you have a surgery it numbs your entire body and yeah we ended up losing game five and game six and that was it but you know I really believe that if I were able to stay healthy that series and our goalie Mikey DiPietro also went down with an injury I think he missed the last two games if we were both able to you know stay healthy I, I really do think we could have you know taken them all the way to seven or even won the series because when I when I got hurt, it would have been a 2-2 two -two series. And with three games remaining and playing well and feeling confident, I really think we you know, we could have done something special. It's just um, it's too bad when those things get in the way. But, you know, it's a, it was a good experience. It was fun. It was a lot of fun playing playoff hockey. Like, 
even the fact of like getting lines matched against you and these guys like chirping you and you know cross checking you off of opening face offs and like it's just a blast honestly playoff hockey it's um it's a different experience yeah playoff hockey is a different beast and yeah i think it's obviously great that you're able to have some success against a player like that and the, the thing that people say are the key to playoff success are luck and obvious luck and obviously injuries being healthy and and it sucks i guess also for di pietro because i the next year when he was with ottawa yeah. like they didn't lose a game when he was in net like they ended up losing obviously to guelph that year and mm -hmm. they they swept the first three rounds and even won the first two in the finals so they won 14 in a row and i still think that if mikey was healthy i don't think ottawa would have lost that year they were they were they were buzzing that year yeah. and also with windsor earlier that year you had a viral moment also this is i think when you went viral on instagram was yeah. you get the puck out front you score a goal and your celebration was something for the ages <laughs> yeah so it was the the olympics the olympics were going on uh, the winter olympics it was february and a couple of days before that game me and my buddy uh, lev starikov we were in the gym just riding a bike after practice you know just uh, loosening up and they were showing highlights of curling which you know I don't know why they're showing highlights of curling in the first <laughs> yeah. place. Not really the most um, entertaining sport. No offense to curling, but nope. no, they were they were showing that, and we thought, how funny would it be if you know we scored a goal and we were both on the ice at the same time, and one of us you know tossed our gloves and the other one was you know sweep. How did you in curling? So we ended up playing Ottawa the next night. We had that plan set up. We had a chance in the third period. I um, did a cross ice pass to Starkov. He had a one timer, and he missed the top corner by like an inch or two. And we were like really bummed out because we thought this is our chance to do it. And yeah, we just were practicing. We kept doing it in practice. As soon as practice would end, we'd be practicing that celebration. Like everyone saw us doing it. I don't know why they were like so surprised. <laughs> but then yeah. the next game, first first shifts of the game, I steal the puck right in front of the net. I, um, guy was trying to make a cross-ice pass and I read the play, I stole it, beat the goalie backhand. And then Starkov was on the ice. and. I toss my glove. He starts, you know, sweeping. It's a funny moment. Everyone's like laughing. I get to the bench and my coach is like, this is the disgrace to the game. You're embarrassing us. Like you can't be doing this, blah, 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 all these things. So he benches me for the rest of the period. In between the periods, he screams at me, blah, blah, blah. from the entire team, like, this is embarrassing. Starry, you're going to, I'm going to send you back to Russia. Like, first of all, who the hell says that? Jesus. Um, yeah. And then it was just, yeah, there was like, freaking out at me like making it seem like i literally like i don't know like killed a child or something and brought <laughs> exactly in reality like i just did something fun because it's a game so they were like sort of like benching me in the second period then we go down three to one and obviously when they're down three to one like they don't really care about the benching me anymore so they put me on i got two two assists and i think we ended up losing four three but i was the first star of the game and you know, I come out for the thing. I wave my stick around, like all those things. Mm. I come back to the locker room and they're like, we're going to need to talk to you tomorrow. Like, where'd you even see this? I'm like, I saw the NFL, the NFL, the NFL team did it. Like they did the same celebration. They're like, well, we're not the NFL. And I wanted to be like, well, obviously we're not the NFL. We are a much less popular sport. We make a lot less money and our marketing is way worse than the NFL. Obviously we're not the NFL. So maybe we should try to be more like them if they're so much more successful than us. But anyway, the next day we show up and it turns out that the, the day after the game is sold out for the first time in I think a year and a half since the Memorial Cup and nobody ever talked to me again about it.
ESPN, TSN, every major sports network here, Europe, literally blew up all over the world. And as soon as that happened, as soon as, you know, the arena was sold out, nobody talked to me about that ever again. And I thought that was kind of odd, but, you know. Yeah, of course, they're not going to talk to someone who's filling the net or, you know, getting them ticket sales like that. And I think that's one of the things that makes the NFL, honestly, so entertaining is the touchdown celebrations like Green Bay has the Lambeau leap. Um, I know Mostert on the 49ers, um, he had four touchdowns against Green Bay and then one in the Super Bowl. Like he was kind of doing like, kind of like almost like, like kind of like with their spike in there, like, like it was synchronized Gronk spike. Like that's what people, that's what fans want to see. And it's an expression of yourself. Like it's, it's a lot of fun to see that. Of course. I know people love to see when um, these, you know, athletes are, you know, showing off like i don't know a dance move or something entertaining like that kind of stuff if you watch a game and then you go on tiktok or instagram or twitter after the game you're more likely going to see like a, a funny celebration a cool celebration than a highlight of like a a play of like um you know someone made unless it's like a spectacular like out of this world play if it's like a routine game and just like routine plays happen but someone does a cool celebration that is more likely to go viral that is more likely to bring more uh, people to watch the game next time than, you know, just them showing something routine that happens every other night. Yeah, exactly. And it's, it's showing your personality for celebrations like that. It, it's what, what else can you ask for? And speaking yeah. of the NFL, this is unfortunate to say, but you're a Detroit Lions fan. <laughs> how, how do you think the Lions are looking now after acquiring Jared Goff? I mean, not good. <laughs> <laughs> not good at all. The thing is, I feel like Jared Goff, he, uh, if he couldn't do it with McVay and on a good team, then how is he going to do it in Detroit with a bad team? Like, obviously, the Lions are rebuilding right now, and they're not going to be that good of a team. So, like, if you can't do it with one of the best offensive-minded coaches, but also on a team that is pretty much stacked and gets you good field positioning all the time, how are you going to, like, starting at the one-yard line, having to go 99 yards with an offensive line that's pretty much, you know, not developed yet to be, like, um, a strong offensive line in the NFL? So, like... Honestly, it's 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 frustrating, but like, hopefully they do like a real rebuild this time and not like a semi rebuild because all these like you know semi rebuilds they don't really work in Detroit and hopefully they can just blow things up and start from scratch. And honestly, I was hoping they'd draft a quarterback this year, but I guess that's not going to happen. But you know, hopefully, hopefully if not this year, the next year. Yeah, of course. Uh, them picking seventh around that range, I don't see them picking a quarterback. I think if they can pick a wide receiver like a Devontae Smith, if he's available, Jamar Chase or Jalen Waddell, if they can pick, they can get someone Goff can throw the ball to because like not only watching hard knocks last year when Goff was with the Rams and watching them play this year, the way McVay's system would work, he would, they would play action all the time. Like how many times you'd always see him fake the ball to someone and then throw it. So especially like watching Smith just dominate the national championship game. And even Chase, when he was with Burrow and LSU, I mean, I think if the Lions can get someone he can throw to, I think that'll be a big step in the plan, too. The problem with Detroit and the play-action game is they don't have a run game. No. You can do no. the play-action all day long, but no one's going to believe him because mm-hmm. they, they've never had a run game. They, they've they had one 1,000-yard rusher, and I think the last, like, 15 years or something, and it was Reggie Bush. Like, that's just not going to cut it. Like, the, the Rams have always had a good run game with McVay, so – Mm-hmm. I don't know, man. It's 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 frustrating being a Lions fan, but I'm you know still holding out hope, and I'm still obviously going to watch and I'm going to cheer for them. But at the same time, I wouldn't mind to see Stafford have some success. 
Yeah, of course. Um, that's actually what I was going to ask you next is um, if you're going to be, especially being in LA, you're going to have more opportunity. Like if you still stick there this year, you're going to have more opportunities to watch Jer uh, watch uh, Matthew Stafford play. Um, and obviously I think it's crazy that the Rams don't have any first round picks for the next like, 15 years, just <laughs> mortgaging their futures. <laughs> it's just, yeah, it's no, just I mean, it's, I, I've met Stafford a couple of times in Detroit and he's always been a class act, a nice guy. So he did a lot for the city and he, you know, busted real hard, you know, to try to get us somewhere, but they never put the right pieces around him. And that's frustrating because he's a good player. He's a talented guy. And after struggling for so long in Detroit, I'm just hoping that he can come out here. And honestly, like, I know the Lions will be competing for the next couple of years. So I might be just cheering for, obviously I'll be cheering for the Lions. Honestly, though, I might be cheering for the Lions to lose every game so they get a high draft pick. That's that's how I look oh, at it. Oh, for sure, yeah. What would a five and, like, whatever, how many games are there now? 18 or 17? 17. There's 17 games to share. 17 games, yeah. So, like, they win five out of 17. Like, what's that going to do? Get them the seventh spot again? That's not really going to help them much. If if you're going to tank, you got to tank all the way. But, um, no, I, I really would love to see Stafford win, a, win a, um, a Super Bowl, win a ring, because he's such a good player and – I feel like he's been very underappreciated in his career. And that's just something that I don't think is correct. Absolutely. Yeah. He, he's very, he's, he's elite when it comes to the two minute drill, especially late in games. Yeah. And I think especially uh, Cam Akers and Robert Woods and some of these guys, the Rams have, mm -hmm. I think, I think he has a good chance of succeeding. And especially you being close by, I think it would be pretty cool if you had the chance to go watch a game at SoFi stadium, that place, that place that. is impressive. For sure. I'd, I'd love to see my, my boy Staffy, you know, <laughs> get a couple of touchdown passes at SoFi. Yeah, and I, the thing I can't believe about that place is you see like new other new stadiums like the Vikings and these other places, and it costs like almost four billion less than SoFi did. It's nuts. Yeah, I mean they put all the all the tricks into the stadium because you know it's Los Angeles. You got you got a lot of things you're competing with, and if it's not tip top, then people are probably going to spend their money somewhere else. So. You got to, you know, invest as much as possible to make it the best possible experience for people. Absolutely. And speaking of Los Angeles, I know you're there now, but I think what people don't realize about you is this is your second tour living in L.A. So at least I want to know, because I didn't meet you until you were out there the first time. What mm -hmm. prompted the move to L.A. the first time? So basically, my dad had just retired and just wanted to live somewhere warm, but also my sisters were singing at that time and. You know, there's no better place to pursue a career in that than Los Angeles. So, you know, we moved out to Calabasas. Uh, I think we lived here for a couple of years, but then I started to, you know, get, you know, kind of good at hockey. And obviously hockey is kind of difficult here because there aren't too many rinks. It's hard to get extra ice time and all of that. So at, um, I think at 11 years old, we moved back to, to Michigan where I was able to play for, you know, all the top teams, you know, Honeybake Little Caesars. But yeah, first time I moved to LA was basically just my dad's like retirement thing, just like moving out somewhere warm. Um, my sisters were singing at the time, and yeah, it was it was a, a cool experience to live here. Like we uh, lived in a cool place. Um, we would go shop at the Kardashian store before they were famous, so that was uh, <laughs> that was always interesting. Um, but no, um, it's it's a very unique place, Los Angeles, because every different like little town, little community is so different. Like you can't compare the vibe of a Venice to the vibe of a West Hollywood or to uh, anything in the Valley. It's, it's very, um, it's very different and very unique. So that's why I think it's kind of cool, but um, no, it's, uh, it's, it's fun. I've enjoyed it so far both times.
Of course, yeah. And and for those for those of you that don't know a little bit about me, I grew up in Los Angeles. I actually lived in the Valley. And like mm-hmm. you're saying, yeah, the vibes are the vibes are very different. And what's weird is that like I don't know, I feel like I kind of took advantage or took for granted living in LA because I didn't really think much of it. I was just like, oh, you know, I, I grew up in California where there's all I would eventually meet all these people moving obviously the Midwest and the East Coast that are like, oh my God, you grew up in California. Like, oh, what was that like? Yeah. And they, they just would kind of hyper hyper like hyperbolize how great it is and i i didn't really make much of it at the time i was just like i just live in california like the weather is really nice this is just kind of how life is and obviously obviously i wouldn't i think that might be the next place i would i would move so i would definitely welcome that especially like like we've known we've been in the in the midwest and the east coast where it's cold in the winter and it's it's just not it's just nothing compares to being december and it's like 65 fahrenheit outside and you get to you get to wear shorts and it's just a great atmosphere. Yeah. The sun's always out. It's just, mm-hmm. um, it, it's good for the mood because a lot of people get seasonal depression. And I feel like that's not really much of an issue here because it's almost like it's always in the sunshine season here, which is, which is great. Of course. And so, like I said, we first met in LA. Now we also reconnected when, uh, when I was in Michigan, uh, when we played spring tournaments together. Now tell the, tell the listeners and viewers on YouTube, what was your first impression of me? Like, at least like the first, either, if you can't remember the first time, at least when you really met me again, like seeing this, seeing this 15 year old kid walk in, not really knowing much else. I remember it was a spring tournament. I remember when you were little, uh, just knowing a, a, about you, obviously, because our dads were friends, but like, mm-hmm. I don't think we spent too much time together. But when you first showed up to that spring tournament, it was a spring tournament. We were all just like, you know, and sweats or whatever and then this guy walks in in a suit and tie and i'm like oh boy we're in for one right here <laughs> so i see you walk in a suit and tie to a spring tournament and immediately that like i'm intrigued you know not many people do that for a spring tournament especially for just like a fun selects team but no um you showed up in a, in a in a suit and tie really like everyone was like wow this guy's really going for it so when you did that everyone became interested and they started talking to you and then they just realized that you're like so nice and so easy to talk to and everyone just immediately started you know just vibing with you and talking and and just you just became a part of the group so quickly not knowing a lot of us and you know looking back now people you know they whenever they talk about these tournaments they always you know talk about pk because pk was such a a huge huge part of it all so honestly you just came in there and then literally five minutes later you were just you know one of everyone and that was really cool yeah, that's what I remember. I mean, I remember just like, obviously I spoke with your dad earlier in that year and obviously like he'd watched me a few times and we talked about playing in the spring tournaments and I eventually got in there and yeah, it was very easy to talk to everyone. I was like, I was just like, remember the first game, I'm like, shit, like this is good hockey. Like we're playing the right way We're it's fun. We're snapping it around. And, and yeah, like even every, as every year passed, it's like, I, it, I would, something I would look forward to because we just yeah. had really smart players and we, played the right way now speaking of that where did the nickname pk come from because i think it was either i think it was you or your dad that came up with it and obviously that's where i also got the the uh inspiration for this podcast name too yeah so when you were younger you literally looked like pk patrick kane's like twin brother like yeah you had the same hair you had the same style on the ice like everything about you looked like little patrick kane so my dad literally was like he just started calling you PK because you, <laughs> you reminded him of Patrick Kings. He just looked so much like them both, you know, 
how you looked on the ice, like the way you're skating and like the way you played and all these things, but also the way you just, you know, you wore your hair and your like your vibe and everything. So yeah, that's basically where it came from. Just like you being Patrick Kane Jr. I remember even mm-hmm. after a while it was PK Jr. Then it just turned into PK and yeah, it's been here forever. Like it's just one of those nicknames that like it comes out of nothing, but it just sticks for pretty much forever, which is, I think is one of the best type of nicknames you can have. Absolutely. And a funny story about that was, uh, I think it was later that spring, my, I'm, at, I'm home from school. My dad texts me and he says, Hey, it's game six tonight, Ducks and Blackhawks. He's like, you want to go? So I was like, absolutely. So I'm watching the game, the Hawks, they're up three, nothing. Probably one of the last times I've heard the United Center, the building was just going nuts. Obviously they were able to tie it up and go to seven. So I'm walking around the concessions. I go to get some some snacks and the lady goes oh you kind of look like Patrick Kane so it's like it's not just it's not just you guys saying it so at that moment that's where the nickname stuck and and yeah I also used to just kind of have the habit of growing my hair out uh, in the playoff time and obviously I think now it's changed to just kind of going with my own look obviously I have a little bit of uh, platinum blonde hair I'm gonna go with that again which I give you credit for that was that was your idea. And I think it looks great. Um, and obviously I'm going to do that when I get back to LA, but yeah, the name, the name PK is very original. I think it's here to stay for sure. It's a great nickname. Everyone loves it. Everyone loves calling you that. And, you know, I feel like most people, when they see you, they think of PK before they think of Peyton or, or anything else, you know? Oh, I, no, absolutely. And speaking of those spring tournaments, those spring tournaments were really fun. And especially one time folks, no joke, we we ended up outscoring like the whole tournament. I think it was like 42 to six. And yeah, so yeah. to set the scene, the first we have the first face off. Igor wins it back. He ends up getting it. Obviously, I don't think I've seen someone at this time. And you might say this is high praise. Slow the game down the way he did. I would just watch him on the bench and be like, damn, like every time just slowed down. And so he, he feeds it to King's prospect, Arthur Kaliev, who we know we call him Mike Tyson. And he just scored, he just, he just rips a one-timer in the open net. And I'm like, is this going to be that easy? Like, that's just how it was all tournament. It was, it was insanity. <laughs> I think we had two goals our first shift that tournament. <laughs> oh, you did. It was nuts. Yeah. It was just, you, everyone, you guys were playing chess. Everyone else was playing checkers. It, but looking back, it was so unfair because we were playing um, U18 AAA. And if you look at like, our team, I think we had like seven guys who played major junior that year, you know? Yeah, we did. Cause we had a, a defenseman, uh, Hawken who played in the, in Flint in the OHL. We had a kid who played in the Quebec league, kid from Sweden. Played junior, uh, in Sweden. Yeah. junior in Sweden. Yeah. You had you who played in the Q obviously OHL next year. Bike play was going to play in the OHL, obviously second round NHL draft pick. And yeah, it was just unfair. Like, Bobby, Bobby, too. Bobby, yeah. Bobby Lynch, my line mate, that tournament. Uh, place for the Winnipeg system. Before going to the queues. So Greg was literally um, mm-hmm. a few months away from playing in the queues. So we had so many guys that had played a season already in, the, in, in major junior or were like, you know, a few months away from starting to play major junior. So it was, it was kind of unfair because of that, because we were playing just like U18 kids and we were totally wrecking them and, and destroying mm-hmm. them. But it was fun because it was just the opportunity to play good hockey and, you know, to express yourself on the ice, which, you know, a lot of times coaches don't let you do that. And here, that was what we were, you know, that was our game plan. Absolutely. And going back quick to the style that I showed up in, my dad was always someone who taught me you want to respect the game. So I always didn't want to just not say look like a bum. Obviously, now I would. I feel like now for these tournaments, I would dress a lot more stylish, wear a nice pair of sweats, shoes, like a jacket. 
but that's just for me at the time that's what it how i how i would go about it so i would wear that and honestly the funniest part of those spring tournaments so we had so his dad had two teams we had an our team which was like the all-star team and then we had a b team the we ended up, we, yeah the younger guys yeah the younger guys we ended up having to play the younger guys in the semifinals <laughs> and it was it wasn't even fair first off and then second to me the funniest thing is that we ended up just for the hell of it switching goalies halfway we're like all yeah. right you guys could take our goalie. <laughs> and I think I ended up scoring on our goalie too, which was even more funny. But I think it was 11 to nothing when we ended up doing that. And then we, we just felt bad for them because they were like, they were good players, but they were just on the, on the younger side. And a lot of them played for the main team the, the next, the following year. Yes. So we, we basically, we just saw them as, as our buddies and we didn't want to like totally embarrass them. And our assistant coach, one of our assistant coaches, Art and Phil, both of them. Phil was mm -hmm. our like strength and conditioning coach. Legend. Art was our was Art our forwards or defense coach? Art, Art was forwards. My dad was defense. Yeah, so Art, Art was the forwards coach, and Phil was our like pregame, you know, warm us up type coach. So they, because usually my dad would be on the bench for both teams. Mm -hmm. This time, Art had to go on the other side, and he brought Phil with him, and they had this game plan of like parking the bus and like not letting yeah. it go and I think we scored like eight goals in the first period oh we did no we scored eight yeah yeah and for those who don't know what parking the bus is obviously Igor is a big soccer fan so parking the bus is basically a strategy where think of playing soccer and you just literally park a bus in front of the goal it's just all, everyone playing defense just blocking a million shots and yeah that strategy backfired and honestly an inside joke that I'll let everyone in on that's really funny is we had like our own like Instagram account for like, we called it L United and there's the Salt Bay meme of someone like going like this and Igor, and Igor created a, a meme of Litvak, but yeah, our, 11 yeah. of, in the set of Salt, it's the, it's the score, which is 11 to four. And that one just lives on. It's just classic. Yeah, there's so many funny and good moments. I really wish that we had those games on, you know, on tape or something because oh, 100%. we could just look back at them and it would, it would be a blast. You know, there's so, so many good memories, so much fun from all that time. Oh, absolutely. Uh, now, changing topics, I know you're big. Both of us are big in a film and TV. So obviously during the lockdown, we had a lot of time to watch TV and movies. So give quickly give three shows that you really enjoyed watching during the lockdown. Um, during the lockdown, I'm going to break the rules a bit because one of these shows I would watch after the lockdown. But it was, no, go ahead. Yeah, it's fine. It's my favorite like shows ever. Like so. So during lockdown, I watched Barry, which is probably my favorite comedy it's you know it's incredible written terrifically the acting is great great storyline it's you know i think it's one of the better shows on hbo and then number two hmm, number two that's a good one what can i you can say any any ones that come to mind when that comes to mind um huh man I, I like you know what i like i like better call Saul a lot that's a classic yeah i like that show a lot i think it's very clever the way it's written the storytelling is very interesting and Obviously, Bob Odenkirk is the you know kills it as um, Saul as Goodman. Salt. Yeah, and then the last one is Euphoria, which is just a masterpiece in my opinion. Very, very good. Cinematography, the story, the the writing, the character development, you know, the acting, the vibe of the show, the the soundtrack, Labyrinth, creating all the music. Like it's to me, it's it's almost a perfect show. I I you know I I watched it two times fully, and you know I can't wait for the next season because i i'm just so attached to the characters and so attached to the story that i just i want more and i want to see where the story's going 
Yeah, of course. I actually had the good joy, uh, fortune of watching Euphoria, mainly during this year with my team. We uh, we had like a two week or a 10 day COVID break because got, certain guys got it. Our coach got it. And I did get to watch Euphoria. And yeah, it was it was very good, very well acted. And I appreciate the recommend on Barry. Barry was a very good show and I'm excited for season three. And I know that during the lockdown, you were saying how disappointed you were because that's when they were supposed to be filming and that's we should have had it by now. Yeah, they had to postpone season three. And But a good thing out of that is they were able to finish writing uh, both season three and season four. So, you know, when the writing's done, I feel that it, it's more like a smooth path because there can't be that many delays in terms of storytelling. It's just you get the date set and you film and then obviously editing and all that. But, like, at least you know what you're filming and the sets and the pieces and all of that. So I think from here on, it should be a pretty straight path for them to get season three and season four out to us. Of course. And for me, I would say the one show I actually didn't get to watch when it came out because I didn't have the service at the time was season one of The Mandalorian. And this was a show I was excited for as a Star Wars fan. And I watched it and I was like, this is what I expected. And obviously, like Bill Burr showing up is hilarious. I think Bill Burr is a very funny comedian. And yeah, I ended up watching season two. I didn't miss miss an episode when it came out. And that was very good. And then obviously, like I said, Barry, I enjoyed Barry. And I guess like everyone else, I, I I fell for, I watched Tiger King, not saying it was my favorite, but I watched it. And yeah, just some of the stuff you watch and you're just like, just, did this really happen? Like, just nuts. I turned it off after 20 minutes. I, I couldn't watch it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Tiger King, honestly, t- there's the jokes have been made. Tiger King feels like a million years ago at this point. Yeah. Um, sh- so yeah, and then also what movies did you watch? Because this will lead into actually a little game that, that we'll be playing and the people at home, at people listening at home can also play into that regards to movies. Movies, man. I watched a lot of movies um, when I was in quarantine. Um, honestly, I can't even remember which ones because there were so many. It feels like yeah, every, so many. every night you'd watch something new, something different. And in terms of a specific movie, um, I can't even give you one because I just watched so many. There, <laughs> The lockdown was so long, man. Like I just, it was to the point where like, Actually, 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 there's one movie I specifically remember I watched during lockdown. You know, make it two movies I specifically remember I watched during lockdown that I really, really liked. And the first one is, um, how am I forgetting the name of this movie? Um, it is called... Who's in it? I'll go to this. I'll go to the other movie real quick. Uh, so one of them is Palm Springs. Yep. With Andy Samberg, which is, I think it's an amazing film. As a comedy and both as like a serious movie, it's... It's one of my favorites. Like I, I, I really, really, really love it. There's so many like interesting parts that happen in it, and it's sort of like a Groundhog's Day where the story is kind of similar, but they put it in a completely different direction. And because of that, I just think it's one of the movies that a lot of people should see that haven't seen it. And it was even it got some recognition at the Golden Globes, which is, you know, I think is great because a lot of films like that, you know, usually get overlooked. But you know, that's a a fantastic film in my opinion. And the other one I remembered, I just actually looked it up. It is Ready or Not. Oh, it's yep. Mm-hmm. Ready or Not. And that that movie blew me away. Like, it, I'm not a big scary movie guy, but I love sort of like, I think it was a Blum, Blumhouse Productions. It was sort of, um, the, the way they make their scary movies, they're not your typical, you know, scary movie. They're sort of like a smarter scary movie. It, mm-hmm. I actually remember it was Blumhouse or it was A24, but I know those I think two one of the two, yeah. Yeah, one of the two, those two studios, when they make their uh, scary films, they do them in a way where it's more of like a psychological thriller. 
And I appreciate that way more than, you know, just, you know, a bunch of college kids walking in like, you know, Texas and a guy jumps out of them with a chainsaw. Like to me, that's just stupid. But mm -hmm. the way they were able to make this film, it's, you know, it's funny, it's charming, it's entertaining, it's scary, there's lore, there's, there's so many great things about it. And I think a lot of families in the world are very similar to that family. I don't want to say like to extent, you know, that like, obviously there's like bad people like that out there, but I feel like it's, there's a lot of families that are quite overwhelming, like this family. Obviously there aren't too many families that, you know, are doing what they were doing in the film, but it's the type of movie where even if, you know, you're meeting a new family or blah, 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 it is kind of overwhelming at times. And that's, I feel like is an underlying um, theme to that film. And, you know, the ending, the middle, it's just, there's so much suspense and intrigue throughout the entire film. It's, if you haven't seen it, I would 1000% recommend you watch it and, you know, watch it like late at night, make sure it's dark, you know, have some friends over like some popcorn. And it's just one of those films that it's like, don't watch it on your phone, don't watch it on your computer, like try to watch it on like a TV with a group of people, like your friends or something and make, make an experience out of it because I think it's a disservice to, you know, that film if you were to watch it on your, you know, telephone while you're, riding in the subway or on a flight or something like that so yeah definitely definitely it's a must watch absolutely and you obviously recommended that one to me so i would give that a strong recommend i would say the two i saw so one of them this was in the summer in the theater i saw tenet obviously tenet came out and i mean that movie it, it's very confusing i didn't funny story i didn't have the best theater experience the first time and i've told i've told you where this went off off camera but I went, to a, I went to a screening at my local cinema and the audio wasn't working for the trailers. So we're like, okay, we're just gonna skip the trailers. The first scene in the movie, and if you've seen the movie, you know the first scene, there's yeah. no audio. So I'm pissed. I'm like, what is going on? I've never seen this before. Like, this is ridiculous. I go talk to someone outside who works there. They gave me a refund pass. So luckily the audio worked the rest of the time and I, it didn't take away or detract from my enjoyment of the film. But I then ended up seeing it on the next Sunday and I was like, yep, it kind of reaffirmed my opinion. I think John David Washington is very good. And it's funny because I, I kind of I kind of get those Denzel, because obviously that's his dad. I, I sense those mannerisms of his dad. And then obviously I, I think for me, the real standout was Robert Pattinson. I think he, as Neil, as Neil, he knocks it out of the park. And honestly, but that's not even my favorite part of the movie. Honestly, my favorite part of the movie, and I don't really think this is spoiling too much, is when a certain guy that we're both familiar with, Sean Avery showed up, no joke, people, oh, no. verbal meme. This was me as DiCaprio in Once Upon a, Pol Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. <laughs> Looking at the screen, I was like, that's Sean Avery. Like, no joke, that was me in the theater. I was like, that is Sean Avery. And yeah, and yeah I've, I've had the chance to see Tenet a few more times, and I, I feel like I understand it a lot more. But it the first time, it throws a lot at you, and that's yeah. not unknown, unknown for Christopher Nolan no, movies. Shooting film, yeah. A lot of thinking went into it, you know, a lot of thinking. A lot. And the second one is, this is one I recommended. I actually recommended it to Igor. I, to preface this, I, someone I followed on Twitter, I saw on Twitter at the time, even though I really listened on Twitter, I just, I listened to their podcast. They recommended this movie. It's Game Night. It stars Rachel McAdams and Jason Bateman. Yeah. I actually saw this in, no joke, I saw this in theaters and then funny enough played like a game then, like later that night, but I saw this in theaters in 2018 and I had a great time. It is very funny. It takes you in directions you don't expect it to go. And man, it's just very funny all around. It's it's a good time. I recommend you watch Game Night. Yeah, it's, it's a fun, it's a really fun movie. But 
you talking about John David Washington reminded me of another film that I saw sort of recently, which I mean, technically we're still in that like, you know, lockdown quarantine pandemic. Yep. Yeah, pandemic. So that would be Malcolm and Marie. Very good. Uh, yes. Him and uh, Zendaya, it's um, by uh, Sam Levinson, Barry Levinson's son. He uh, he also made Euphoria. And I feel like a lot of people won't like this film because it's it's just a bunch of monologuing back and forth. It's black and white. It's very artsy. It's very um, old school cinematic. But the way it's shot and the way the story is told just by these two characters pretty much arguing the entire night in the setting of one room, I mean, I was blown away. Incredible. Yeah incredible writing and it's it just it was so raw and so real it's like i don't know it's it ta- it's the tale of a of a of a failing relationship that you know you just see and you're like it's so real it's like you can you can see these two people and then you can look in the world and you're like wow like you know you you literally can tell by people what kind of relationship they're in because of this film and that's something that it was it was just so incredible like one of my sister's friends like i could tell right away that they had a malcolm and marie type thing based off of their you know their social media engagements based off of their you know rapport and sooner or later you know i think a month or two later they broke up and she was like watching this film and she told me oh my god like you were so right this is exactly what we were and i'm like yeah i mean you could pretty much tell when that kind of you know um stuff happens but no it's it's a great movie and i obviously recommend it it's on netflix so i feel like most people should have the opportunity to to at least give it a chance because it's you know it's it's a special film yeah that's all you can ask for with uh, movies that are recommended is to just give it a chance and even if it's not your cup of tea the first time some people try it when you try it again it'll normally hit yeah and so that so that leads into my game show the game i'm going to play i have two rounds it's basically going to be like a mary f kill scenario but there's three movies so almost like which one you love, which one you like, and then which one you would have to let go. Hmm. So the first round is going to be three Christopher Nolan movies. Okay. So, so I'm a big Christopher Nolan fan, so I, this is a lot of fun for me. Now let me ask you, are there any that you haven't seen? Because that might change one of them that's included. I feel like the only one I haven't seen is Memento. Okay, perfect, because I, I had a second one just in case. So and everyone, everyone listening can also play along. So the three ones are The Dark Knight, inception and the prestige <laughs> tough very tough i think those are my three favorite nolan films um man oh my god why are you doing this to me <laughs> i'll just wait for the next round the next one's even tougher well i can tell it's gonna be a tarantino round <laughs> Yo, yeah so that yeah it is <laughs> oh my god you know me too well um i do oh i i can't i can't oh um I can go first if you want. So mine, yeah, for me, mine's a little easier. So mine is going to be, Mary is going to be the Dark Knight. This movie is, I will say, this movie is in my top five all time. This, this movie is phenomenal start to finish. I think one thing Nolan does a lot better than a lot of directors, his endings to movies are phenomenal. Like Gary Oldman, which, which it might be another question later. Gary Oldman is so underrated in this movie. Him giving that ending speech where he says he's not a hero. He's a silent guardian, a watchful protector. Oh, it gives me chills every time. And the score too of Hans Zimmer just builds and builds. So then I would have to, it's tough. The other two are tough. Uh, I would probably say uh, F would probably be Inception because Inception, a lot of people are confused watching it the first time, not to brag or anything, like not a big deal. I understood it the the first time all the way around. And just on a subtext level too, like all the main characters' first initials 
they spell out the word dreams, which that's what the movie's about. It's about um, supplanting ideas in, in your dreams. And obviously DiCaprio is phenomenal in this movie. Uh, so is Tom Hardy and basically half the cast of The Dark Knight Rises, but that's another thing. And not to mention the ending of this movie of that top spinning. Oh my it, God. Like I, it starts to wobble. You see it wobble just a bit. Like it's tough. I the, the score at the end, man, of that where they're playing um time by Hans Zimmer. Mm-hmm. The last five minutes, I don't think there's a single word said. Maybe, maybe I think there's actually nope. two words said when he um the, the passport control guy says welcome home to Leo. Mm-hmm. And then that's basically that's those are the only words said. And like the acting when he wakes up, like I get goosebumps and chills just thinking about it. Like it's, it's phenomenal. So incredible. It's phenomenal. So I would have to unfortunately let the prestige go, but the prestige is also a very good movie. And I think that's another one. My mom hadn't seen it at the time. So I said, let's watch it. And that movie is also very good. Hugh Jackman and Christian Bale. Obviously it's funny, Batman and Wolverine, they're going at it. That back and forth they have is very interesting. Obviously Scarlett Johansson, Scarlett Johansson is very good too. And the one thing I didn't realize who was actually in the movie the first time is the fact that David Bowie is playing Nikola Tesla who I feel like a lot of people are like, who, who's Nikola Tesla? Like, oh, you're talking about the car? Like, but Nikola Tesla had a very big hand in electricity and the creation of harnessing the electricity. And yeah, like you've talked about on other podcasts about how much of an artist David Bowie is. And I know this is in his later years, but yeah, he kills it too. All right, man, this is, this is very difficult for me. This is very, very difficult for me. So I'd have to marry Inception because Inception, I think is, I think it's in my top five movies of all time it's everything about that film is just is is beautiful the ending sometimes it'll be like three in the morning and i'll just google the ending and just watch it like over and over again that's how big of a fan i am of the ending of ambiguous of him waking up on the plane making eye contact with all of them like it's like the acting of that part is where he wakes up and he doesn't know if he's going to wake up ever again and we don't know how long he was stuck in limbo at that point so when Mm -hmm. he wakes up it's like he could have had a, a, like how many lifetimes in there and he just the way leo does that it's it blows me away uh, and then i love the prestige so much i love the prestige so much uh i guess i'd have to let go of the dark knight oh that's that's tough to hear but i i totally um, understand why i just love the prestige so much it's it blew my mind when i saw it it, it absolutely blew my mind and like I still watch it and I don't even watch it. I just think about it so much where it's like the ending of it. It, it, I physically cannot comprehend it. It's, it's so well done. And it's just, I don't know, man, it's incredible. But then the thing about what I will say is kind of a cheat code. I get rid of the dark Knight, but I'm still able to get somewhat of the Batman experience with, you know, Batman begins and dark Knight rises. It's obviously not as good as the dark Knight. But I get Dark Knight, but I still get to keep some Batman. And I'm, I've always been a big fan of Batman Begins. So at least I get of course. to keep Batman. Yeah, and I would say, yeah, and I would say, obviously, I think I think that makes sense. The And the Dark Knight, I think, like, which to me, what's crazy is little, not, not many people know this about me. Mm-hmm. I, I love the movie so much. I think, I think it came out when I was like seven or eight. So when I was, for Christmas for eight-year-old, when I was eight, I got that movie on DVD. That's how much I really liked it. And, and yeah, just Heath Ledger, that was the performance of a lifetime. It, it's unbelievable. I, I know it was his birthday a few weeks ago. It's, 
it's I still think about how sad it is that he's not yeah. here. And I I honestly wonder if he was here, if he would have been in that Dark Knight Rises movie. I, I, I think about that all the time. Yeah, same. I you know, it's a tragedy how he was lost and so young and so talented, you know, it's tough to see. Absolutely. And so now moving into the round two is Tarantino, which I know Igor and I are very big Tarantino fans. So the three movies are, it's going to be tough again, mm. Pulp Fiction, which is my number one movie of all time. Igor is number one, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And the third one was tough because I had to like think, but I'm going to, um, at the end of the day, I'm going to go with Reservoir Dogs. Oh, wow. With one of his first, Reservoir Dogs. So I'll, the floor is yours for this round. All right, so obviously I'm marrying Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Easy, yeah. My favorite movie, like, literally ever. Then I would probably sleep with <laughs> Pulp Fiction just because it has more going on to it. It does, yeah. Whereas Reservoir Dogs is sort of like, it's like a one, it's in a one room, basically. It's sort of like a play. It, it basically is it a is. play. It right? is, it's yeah. And... I feel like if, if you kept that movie, it might kind of get annoying at a certain point, even though it's it's amazing. It's a fantastic film. It's a great piece of motion picture. But um, yeah, I would definitely, I'd probably let go of Reservoir Dogs, you know, have a loving relationship with um, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood and a one night stand with uh, Pulp Fiction. Yeah, of course. So I'm in a similar boat. The only ones I'm gonna switch is I'm gonna marry, I'm gonna hitch my wagon to Pulp Fiction. And for the main reason that there was no, at the, the time this movie came out, no movie was like this. And also, yeah. I don't think this is really a hot take, but I feel like some people that listen to this are going to be like, oh, I don't agree. Like, you're, you're stupid. But I think that's that's my favorite movie of 90, that 94 year. You know, that was actually, if I made a third round or if I didn't include Tarantino, it was going to be Mary F. Kill 1994 movies with that Shawshank and Forrest Gump. I think Pulp Fiction was the best movie that year. And I think, Forrest Gump is severely overrated, but that's just me. Yeah, agree, agree. And yeah, Sam Jackson's also really great in this movie. Obviously, like this movie's endlessly quotable. Obviously, where he his what his wallet says is mm. equal twenty five seventeen, and even just the whole Jimmy situation. Which, looking <laughs> back on it, like the fact that Tarantino kind of he used the N word where he's like, where basically he's like the you know dead N word like storage in my garage. It almost is like, dude, like. I know it's for a movie, but it's like, really? Like you wrote that, like as a white person saying it, it's, it's uh, kind of, it's kind of off-putting, kind of weird, but I mean, Tarantino's kind of an interesting guy in and of itself. Like we don't need to go too much into that, especially with yeah. what he likes, but yeah, I would say that one. And then Once Upon a Time in Hollywood would be what I would get in bed with for that one night, mainly because I think revisionist history is interesting. And then yeah. not only hearing Margot Robbie, I believe say, there's like over 200 hours or some crazy amount of hours of footage to me, it's like there's so much I can watch of it. And know, especially especially Rick Dalton in the few scenes stick out. Rick Dalton in his trailer where he's going nuts, where he's like, he's like, you had eight whiskey sours. You could have had one, two, but you had eight. Like that freak out's <laughs> insane. And then obviously uh, Cliff and basically knock off Bruce Lee fighting. I To me, I just will just laugh. Like I'm laughing about it in my head now of, cutting the camera cutting to clip and him just talking it's like i don't know it's just yeah. funny and then obviously what happens and it's yeah, just funny yeah. it's just funny because you also have other tarantino actors in there like kurt russell who i think is severely underrated as an actor i love kurt russell as an actor him from death proof is there the, the one girl zoe from death proof is there yep. and there's just a lot of in, in jokes there and it's just funny 
when they hit the car and like they get mad. But yeah, and even and then even the last scene too, where he's like high, he's like high on acid, and he's like, um, he basically is like, "What's your name?" Like he's like, "Oh, the devil." And he's like, "No, something dumber than that." And then <laughs> that that whole fight is just nuts. And then Reservoir Dogs, I'd have to agree with you for that same aspect that it's a little slow. Although mm-hmm. there are some great scenes like the like the opening scene where Mr. Pink doesn't tip. Mr. Pink is a penny pincher. And then obviously the stuck in the middle with you, I think. Yeah. Anytime you, I think most people, anytime they hear that song, it's associated with Reservoir Dogs. Associated with someone ripping someone's ear off and putting it to them. That too, that, that part was sadistic. Uh, so now we're also going to go to the fan submitted question part of the episode. Thank you to everyone on my Instagram. If you haven't, if you want to check out my Instagram, it's p.hughes15. And at the end of the episode, we'll plug Igor's socials. So the first question I wanted to ask was, this was submitted by someone who's going to be on the episode a little later. What do, we, what do you think of Nicholas Elizarov as an athlete? And what do you think of his potential? Um, <laughs> <That's a> question. <laughs> you know, I think Nick's a good kid. He's a, he's a decent hockey player for his age. And I don't really like the word potential for someone so young because I don't think there is any potential until you can prove that you can do something consistently. So for me, there is no potential there at all because you only gain the right of having potential when you're able to do something well consistently. Then I can look at you and say, yeah, there's potential. And for me, he's just too young for that. So if he's able to get on the level when he's like, you know, 16, getting into his, you know, OHL or USHL draft year, and he's able to consistently play at a high level, then yeah, I will say he has potential. But right now he's, you know, I think he's too young for that. Yeah, of course. I think he just needs to put his nose to the grindstone and obviously keep on that development path. Mm-hmm. So, so the next one, this, this one's also interesting to me is someone, someone asks uh, a teammate of mine, actually shout out Magnus. He asked thoughts on rap music now compared to back then. Yeah. Um, I'm not a big fan of the mumble rap wave. It's not really my favorite type of music. I, you know, I really like the, what we had a while ago, but Right now, what I think is kind of cool, you look at these guys like Ian Dior, like 24K, um, a lot of these guys, and like even Machine Gun Kelly, they were like sort of like rapping, but their rap style has sort of turned into more of a like um, punk pop, which I think is really sick. I love that. I love um, Blink-182. So Mm -hmm. I like that a lot of these guys who were typically, you know, be more like um, rappers are sort of going down this path. And, you know, it's great because there's so many, you know, rappers but there was sort of like a, a hole for that punk pop punk rock type thing and you know they're sort of bringing it back and i think that's really cool no of course yeah i mean i think rap now i feel like it's kind of fake or at least there's an aspect like i think i saw like it was a video on twitter it was meek mill and takashi 69 were basically mm-hmm. fighting but it was like they're they were holding their phones at each other it's like yeah. this is like a fight like what is this and i don't and, and yeah. I, and I like Meek Mill's music a lot more than 6ix9ine. I'm very out on 6ix9ine, but I was just like, what are you guys doing? Like, yeah. what? Uh, another question from same guy is beer or hard liquor? I don't drink beer because I'm gluten-free. So I'm a, mm-hmm. I'm a big um, you know, tequila mezcal guy and um, I'll have some wine. You know, I'm not really, I don't really like the taste of wine, which is kind of interesting considering my dad is a, a winemaker, but mm-hmm. I'm not too crazy on alcohol in general. I don't really like, you know, go out of my way to drink. Obviously I, you know, for, I'll have like an Aperol or something, an Aperol spritz if it's warm outside and like a lunch or something, but I'm not going to go out of my way to, you know, get drunk or anything. Like if there's a party, if there's like a, 
a social event, then yeah, I'll have some, but you know, I'm not too big on just, you know, getting blind drunk for no, for no reason. Blackout. Yeah. No, that's fair. Now, a question that a sister of mine asked was, have you been to press juicery? And if so, what's your order? I actually haven't been to a press juicery. Um, I don't really drink too many juices, man, to be honest. I have my, uh, my greens that I drink, and that's pretty much the closest thing that I have to a juice. Um, I, I, actually, I, I was getting some juice at a place in Venice. I forgot what it's called. Um, but I looked at the back, and it was just a green juice with kale and all these things. And for some reason, it had, I think, 10 grams of sugar. And when I saw that, I just stopped drinking that because, you know, I don't want to put 10 grams of sugar into my body. Like, that's not something that I'm, you know, interested in doing. So I stopped doing that. And I'm, you know, just drinking uh, the green juice that I have at home because it has zero grams of sugar. And, you know, that's, I think that's kind of, that's better for, for your health and better for your overall um, well-being. Of course. Uh, another question was, have you been to Sochi? I have been to Sochi. Yeah, I've been to Sochi. I was in Sochi this year for um, an away game. We flew in uh, from Nizhnykamsk. It was minus 40 in Nizhnykamsk. And we flew, flew in, I think, three in the morning to Sochi. And when we got to Sochi, it was, it was like, you know, 55, 60 degrees. It was great weather. Um, hotel was really nice. Radisson right on the, on the sea. They had um, pretty much everything you could ask for. And then me and my buddy who played on Sochi, uh, we went for, for dinner at a really nice restaurant. They had really nice food. And I really enjoyed Sochi. It's a great, great little community, great little city. It's obviously on the sea. And it's one of my, um, one of the nicer cities in Russia, I definitely have to say. Yeah, Sochi seems like a good time. And obviously, former host of the Olympics. So yeah. that was obviously would have been a blast. This one's interesting to me. What was the last book you read? A quick break. Um, because of the limit that a Spotify episode can be time-wise, I'm going to be splitting this up into two parts. So this is the end of part one. Check back for part two.